So I know a pastor who's going to kind of go into this series um, on prayer, and he would, we got it from district assembly, and, and the guy said that we could use it. But um, I know last week he didn't go into it deep, so I'm not going to jump into that series. But in keeping with that spirit, I titled this sermon, Getting Back to Our Roots. And so let me kind of qualify that with a little bit of what I mean. So, you know, roots, they go deep and they run all the way back. So I don't just want to go back to the beginning of our local church. I don't want to go back to the beginning of our denomination. I don't want to go back to the beginning of our first Protestant church. I want to go all the way back to the very first church, the Church of Jesus Christ that started in the book of Acts. So I'd invite you to turn there. Um, Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to start. We're going to leave a little bit out of Acts chapter 1, and then we're going to go over to Acts chapter 2. That is on page 743 in the Pew Bibles. So this is Acts chapter 1, verse 12. I would like to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of the Lord's Word. So beginning at Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So now we're going to skip over to chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 37 through 47. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter said to the rest of the... Peter Peter and the rest of the apostles said, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for all your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to any as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word in the book of Acts and the the example that Luke recorded for us of of the early church and what it looks like, Lord. And we just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears today to hear what you are saying to us, Lord. Speak through me. Use me as a vessel, Lord. But I want these to be your words, not the words that I I want to say or I think need to be said or or what I, I hope people hear, but help them to be your words and help everyone to hear what you are saying to them today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I don't know if most of you know this, but we have a church softball team that plays out there on Tuesday nights. And so this week, Tuesday, there was a semifinals in the championship game. And so that's you, our 2018 Kalamazoo Bible League B Division champions. And you see we got a trophy there, and I brought it with me this morning. So we're going to give this to Pastor Jeff, and we can put it 
in the back room with all the other trophies that nobody ever sees. And so, you know, we'd, we'd, I'd like to see a few more people that, that regularly attend here up there. But, you know, a lot of those guys go to church. And we were missing a few people. Pastor Jeff played with us. Chris Jennings and Colin Overheiser also played with us. They weren't able to be there that night. And we had a few others. But, but some of those guys, they don't go to church at all. I mean, we're using this as an outreach ministry. Um, but this team, you know, it's, I like this team because we're just a bunch of guys who, who enjoy playing ball together. We like each other's company. We have a lot of fun out there. I mean, obviously we don't always win everything, but we did win this. And, and on Tuesday, it was awesome to see that team because we were just, just firing on all cylinders. I mean, we were hitting the ball. The first game, we won 28-6, to so there wasn't much of a game there. The second game, we won 21-6, to so it was a little closer, but not really. I mean, we were just... We were hitting the ball well. I mean, we were as a team just one after another after another, just getting hits, and we were playing defense really well. And so we were, and then I kind of got thinking, you know, the church, I'll take that down so you don't have to look at it. There's not very many good-looking guys on that team. So I got to thinking, you know, the church is, is kind of like a team. You know, our team, we like to get together, and we like, you know, to hang out with one another, and that's kind of like the church. We, we come together, and we hang out together, and we have fun but what makes a good softball team is people who, who do that, but they also, they also can do the things necessary to win the game, like hitting, like playing defense. And so one of the things that I've always thought was important and vital to the life of the church, and I can't be wrong in this, and it's prayer, because they talk about it right there in Acts, how important prayer was to the early church. Uh, to the early church. And so... Prayer has just always fascinated me. So now I'm going to fill you in with a little bit of detail of what's going on. So what happened was, is right before where we jumped in in chapter 1, the disciples, they went out and they were with Jesus on Mount called Olivet. And Jesus, that was where Jesus ascended. So Acts picks up where Luke left off. Because Luke, or Acts, is the second volume to what Luke wrote. It's, it's his second part of the story, which covers the beginning of the early church. And so Jesus ascended in the first first 12 verses and the disciples now came back and and jesus told them wait in jerusalem for for my spirit for what i'm going to give you and, and acts 1 8 tells us but the holy spirit will come upon you and you will now i forgot it i had it memorized my quizzing days are now leaving me but but you receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses into jerusalem and to all judea and to samaria and to the ends of the earth so they had to wait a little bit so what they did was they all kind of came back and they gathered in there in their little room, and they were up there. And guess what they were doing? They were praying. They were, they were anticipating, but they were in a spirit of corporate prayer together. I mean, you had all the 11 disciples who were still left. You had Mary, the mother of Jesus. There were some other women there. We don't know their names, or Luke doesn't give us their names. But there's also Jesus' brothers who are not named. We don't know all of who was there exactly for his brothers. And so they were all gathered, and they were praying. And then all of a sudden, when we skipped, why is my click? There it goes. Okay, and so they were, they were gathered together, and then what happened was, is one day, Pentecost happened, and, and on that day, what happened was the whole room started shaking, you know, everything was walking all over the place, you know, they were like probably freaking out, and then all of a sudden these tongues of fire descended upon them, I don't think it looked exactly like that, but it could have, um, but, and then what happened was, is they went out and people started hearing them in their own languages, they weren't necessarily speaking different languages, but people being, they were being heard in all the languages of people who were there. There were, there were Greeks there. There were, there were people who spoke Aramaic. I mean, there were people who were of Arabic descent. Who they were all hearing 
the gospel proclaimed in their own language, and they were all fascinated by this, like, what's going on? And then, then what happens is Peter goes into this really great, great sermon that, that I love, and you know, I didn't want to spend too much time focused on his sermon, but if you have never read that, you should. It's a, it's a great sermon in how he preaches. He uses what the Jews are familiar with. He quotes a lot of scripture. And then what happens is we, where we jumped in was right after his sermon. He starts telling the people, you know, the people, they got it. They understood, wow, you know, Jesus was that person. And they, it says they were cut to the heart. And they started, they said, well, what do we do? And so he said, you've got to repent and be baptized. But then what happened was, was what I'm fascinated with was what happened next. You know, they got 3,000 people there. You know, how did they do that? And then, and then what happened was these people got just plugged right in, and they caught on to this vision. They started devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, but also to the prayers. And they met every day, or they met daily in the temple. And that when they went to the temple, what you did was you prayed. And so they were also praying, they were praying a lot. And so that's what I want to talk about is prayer. And so... We'll talk a little bit more about this photo later. And the disciples, they saw Jesus praying a lot, even though sometimes, like in this picture, they fell asleep while Jesus was praying. But they, they caught on to this idea that you were supposed to pray. And prayer, it was the foundation for everything that first church did. I mean, as soon as Jesus left, the first thing they did was they went back, gathered together, and they prayed. And then right, before, right as Pentecost was coming, right as the Holy Spirit descended, they were gathered together and they were praying. They were there together. And it was, it was done kind of constantly. You know, Paul tells us in one of his letters that you need to be constantly in prayer. That doesn't mean you need to have your hands folded, your eyes closed, and your head bowed. That would be a bad idea when you're driving. Don't do that. But it's, it's more of an attitude of prayer so that you can pray for others. But you can also, because prayer is a two-way street, is communication between you and God. So but you can also hear God speaking into you, and so you can speak to others. And so it was done constantly. And they also had times of individual prayer where they would pray for themselves. The, the Gospels tell us that Jesus often went to deserted and lonely places and he prayed. And so the disciples saw that, so they would catch on. So they were doing individual prayer times where they could get refreshed. But what they also did was they also gathered together for corporate prayer. So they came together as a body of believers. It tells us every day they did this. They were gathering together in the temple and they were praying and so they had this corporate prayer. They were praying for one another's needs. They were praying, praying for their church. They were praying for others to catch this vision of Jesus. And this isn't necessarily in the Bible, so I'm kind of crossing a little bit of gray area here. I'm doing a little bit of exegesis, reading into the text to what might not be there. But I would not be surprised if they had family prayer time, where they gathered together as a family, maybe around the dinner table or or at bedtime, they gathered around somebody's bed and they, they prayed together as a family. Parents were praying for the kids, the kids were praying for the parents. I won't be surprised. I'm not going to argue whether it's there or not, but it wouldn't shock me because at this point in history, women and children had not been valued by any society. And at, at this point, when the turning of the church, women and children got put on the same level as everybody. So everybody was on an equal playing field in the church of Jesus Christ. So they became valued and they had a new spot. So family prayer, I'm sure, started to pick up and they started to enjoy being together. And so prayer, prayer was very important to them. So let's talk about prayer in the Bible. It's not just mentioned here. So let's look at, let's start in the Old Testament because that's the beginning part of Scripture. And that's what the Hebrew word for the prayer that I'm, I looked at was, is. And I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm just going to leave it. It's a kind of a cool-looking language, so we're going to leave that up there. 
and I hope to learn more about it someday. I haven't got to that class yet, but I will. And hopefully it'll help me because I'm left-handed so I can write that language easier than you guys can without getting the, the graphite on the bottom of my hand. If any left-handers are in here, they would know how that's like. And so what's unique about this is, is that one is used 84 times in the Old Testament. Now, if you don't know, the Old Testament composes about two-thirds of the Bible. And so let's look at now what the New Testament says. And that's the Greek word that I looked at for prayer, and I don't know how to pronounce that one either. But it's kind of a cool-looking language too. But here's what's unique about this, is that word is used 86 times. So it's used two more times in the Old Testament, but it covers one-third less of the Bible. So prayer became very important in the New Testament because they caught on to this idea that in the Old Testament, a lot of times you had to go through the high priest, and that was how you got to God. In the New Testament, Jesus made a new way for them to get directly in the presence of God, directly into communication with God, and so they would pray more. They, they caught on to this idea that we now can pray freely. And so they started doing it more. Now, the Old Testament, they also had times where they, it says they cried out to God. That would be a different word, and, and that's not covered here, but that's also prayer. So it's probably, the numbers are a little off. You know, there's different words for prayer, but we won't go into all that. But just those two words there are used that much. And so prayer was very, very important there. So I want to talk about who prayed in the Bible. I mean, you know, just because we have this example here, and it's mentioned this many times, so who were these people that prayed? And so we, we know that Adam, in a way, he prayed, but that's not, that's not the exact word that they used because Adam was in direct communication with God, and that's what prayer is. He was, he was walking and talking with God. And Adam and Eve both did that. Cain and Abel both had that opportunity and we also know there's a guy named, in the Bible named Enoch, if you know his story. He walked and talked with God, and then one day God just took him up to heaven. He was gone, disappeared. And so that was another one, but we don't have, that's not one of these other ones that we're going to talk about. But then you come to Noah. He also had kind of a communication with God in some way because God gave him the plans for the ark. God told him to bring all your animals, build your ark, build, put the animals on there, and you're going to survive this flood. But... Who else prayed? Abraham, he prayed. Isaac prayed. Jacob prayed. Moses prayed. Samuel prayed. David prayed. Solomon prayed. Elijah prayed. Elisha prayed. Hezekiah prayed. Isaiah prayed. Jonah prayed. Jeremiah prayed. Daniel prayed. Ezekiel prayed. All the other prophets in some way or form prayed because they had communication with God. And then we're going to jump now to the New Testament. All 11 disciples prayed. And we see that just in the book of Acts here, but we also see that in other places. Who else prayed? Mary, the mother of Jesus, prayed. James and Jude, Jesus' brothers that we have recorded, their books in the Bible, they prayed. Paul prayed. Silas prayed. Barnabas prayed. The churches Paul wrote to, Paul talks about praying for them and then praying for him. He also asked them to pray that doors would be opened into other places. And here's the most important one. Jesus prayed. We have his prayers recorded in the Bible. I've been actually now at work. I have to go to work pretty early in the morning which kind of sucks, but it's also really nice because if you don't know, WCSG at 5 o'clock in the morning, they do Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll, and it's pretty cool to listen to. And lately he's been preaching out of John 17, talking about that chapter. That is a whole, almost a whole chapter just of Jesus' prayer for himself, for his disciples. And guess what? Jesus also prayed for you and me in that chapter. I found that fascinating. I never realized that before. And so Jesus prayed often. He prayed so much, like I said, that the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. You know, what, what is prayer? How do you pray? And Jesus gave them a model. And so it, we'll go over it, and, it's, and I didn't put it on the slide, but you guys all know it. It's the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as in heaven. He didn't tell them this is what you pray. He tells them this is how you should pray. This is a model. So here's the outline. You fill in the details. So he gave them this, this example of how to pray. He's like, here's what I want you to pray. And so these disciples, they, they now knew that. So that's what they were doing as they were praying. And so let's talk about this last question. Is prayer important? Or maybe why is prayer important? And so is prayer important? I would hope by this point you understand, yes, it is important. If you don't, we'll have to talk later and I'll try and explain it better. But yes, prayer is very, very important. It was very important for the life of the church. They had to pray in order to grow themselves spiritually. They had to pray in order to grow and in their influence of other believers to get people to come and to buy into this vision of Jesus that they saw. And so, but why is prayer important? And so, you know, many of you know, knew my grandma who attended here for a long time. And she was kind of a part of this, this unique generation. And a lot of them are, are still living. Dave Meadows is here. The, the Wheelers are here and, and the Grays and everybody. And they caught on to this vision of prayer. They were considered a generation of prayer warriors. I mean, that's what they did. That was in their DNA. They prayed so much that they, they helped to grow the church. And they bought into this idea. And that they were able to bring people into the church. And they became believers. Other people became believers because of their prayers. I am still here because of my grandma's prayers. You know, people, your prayers never go unanswered. But those prayers are very... That, that generation is, is, no offense, they're, they're dying. They're, they're getting older. They're, they're not going to be with us forever. The problem is not necessarily that they are getting older and dying. The problem is that we don't have a new generation who's ready to rise up and take up those reins and start praying like they did. We need a new generation who's ready to say, I am ready to start praying for the church. I think we need to start a new revival, but it has to start with prayer. Because prayer is the foundation for how the believers got their first church going. That's what they did. When they got the Holy Spirit, it was because they were praying. It got poured out on upon them, and they added to their number 3,000. Hopefully we don't try to do that because we couldn't handle those, those people in our facilities. But still, they were able to grow and they started their church because of their prayer. And so I want to look at our 10-4 goals. And I want you, and I want to kind of talk about them, and we're going to see if any of them can be completed without prayer. So let's do that. So our first one, pay off our mortgage. Yeah, we could do that without prayer probably. I mean, we'll just keep giving how we are. But let's do this. Let's try and give a little bit more, a little bit extra into that so we can pay that mortgage off quickly. Pray to God. Ask Him for ways you can maybe cut out just a little bit of expenses. Maybe maybe cut out and do, you know, make your coffee at home instead of going out to Big B or Starbucks and paying way too much for bad coffee. Anyways, and I probably shouldn't say that because I don't drink it, so I don't know how it tastes. But... You know, maybe you could find a way to give just a little bit more so we could pay that mortgage off a little faster. But you have to be in a spirit of prayer in order to do that. Otherwise, it doesn't really matter. So let's look at our next one. Hiring an associate pastor. There is no way you're going to be able to hire the right associate pastor if we don't pray. There's no way we can do it. Absolutely none. Because you have to have the right person and you have to put them in the right spot. As a senior pastor, Pastor Jeff, has to work well with his associate. They have to be on the same, the same vision. They have to catch these same ideas. And they also have to be willing to, to fill up the other responsibilities. You know, do you hire a children's pastor? Do you hire a youth pastor? You've got to pray in order to know what you're going to, who you're going to hire. So what about the next one? One group on an international missions trip. Not really. Okay, maybe, but not really. You know, if you look at it, you've got to pray about where to go. You've got to pray about who's going to lead it. You've got to pray to find those who are willing to go, those who have the time to go. When do you go? You know, 
And maybe if you go soon enough, maybe we can do two. <laughs> maybe. You never know. But you've got to be in a spirit of prayer. You've got to be constantly praying because we need new leaders who are going to be able to go out and lead these trips. This next one, recovery groups. There is, there is vital to have people who are praying there for those people who are in recovery. Because without prayer, those people will never make the recovery that we want to give them. Whatever they were trying to recover from, addictions, um, I don't know what else. Addictions is basically the only one. So when they're trying to get through their addictions, you have to be praying for them. You have to be there encouraging them. We have to be there in order, we have to pray for the leaders of those groups. We have to pray to get people to come into those groups. So let's look at the next one. Doing a community or district project every other month. Eh, probably not. You could probably just go out and just do something. I mean, just send ten people down to the gospel. Which, hey, we're done for the month. I mean, you could do that. But I don't think that's necessarily what we're trying to get at here. We're trying to look for new places to open up new ministries. So we're trying to go out and serve. You know, let's go out to this. The, let's go over to Haverhill Elementary and clean up their school for a month. I mean, whatever it is, you know, you don't want to just go out to just one place and do that. You know. You want to look for different places, for new opportunities, but you've got to be praying, God, open the right doors for us. Open the doors where we can enter in and we can give, you, give new people an opportunity to hear about your word. So let's look at the next one, a permanent second service option. I mean, you could just say, okay, we're going to meet you know, during the Sunday school hour and then we'll have another Sunday school hour during the next service. You could probably do that and that would give you a permanent second service option. But you need to be more praying. Maybe we need to do it on a different day of the week. You know, there's people that, that work weekends. I mean, they don't, that's their job. They have to work over the weekend. And so they don't get to come to church on Sunday. So maybe we try to do something like I've been trying to do on Monday nights. We don't get a lot of people. We get a few. But maybe we try to do something on Monday nights. Maybe we do something, maybe we do make a permanent second service option on a Wednesday night. Put something in the middle of the week. Because what happens is, is it seems like to me, the more you pray, so if your prayer life goes like this, the sin and temptation in your life go like that. It goes down. And then the opposite is true. So... When your prayer life goes down, the sin and temptation in your life goes up. And so maybe in the middle of the week, if we gathered together and we had a permanent second service option in the middle of the week, maybe people could be encouraged. Maybe people would be able to pray then and they would be able to be, their spirits would be able to be lifted. They wouldn't struggle so much later on in the week. Maybe that's an option. So you need to be praying, which day should we have that service? And then, or when should we have that service? So our next one. Prayer is absolutely vital. Launching an off, a new campus, a new satellite campus. I mean, where? Where do you launch one? That's how you got to pray for. When do you start it? You know, what, you know, do we have all the preparations in place that we can do this? Okay, you know, when, when can we do that? You need to be praying to God. Open the right doors and the right places that we can put the people in place that we need to in order to do this. Ten new families for the week air, from the week air. We need to be praying about who, you know, who... Who should we approach first? You know, we want to looking for people who don't have a church. So which people don't have a church? That's our first thing. We could probably do that without prayer. That's pretty easy to determine. And then, but the thing is, you want to select the first ten families. You want to get people who you can encourage, you can bring in, who want to get plugged in, who, who maybe will catch a new vision for God. And then inviting new visitors. We need to start praying for those visitors that we're going to get now. Praying for those people that we're going to get right now. So we can... We can have them here. We can bring them into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, I guess, you know, you always ask, how do you respond to a, to a message anytime there's, there's preaching? So this one's not really so much of a, a saving, sanctifying sermon. This is more of a, a challenge sermon. I want to know who are those people who are willing to step up and start saying that I'm going to take up the new range for the church. I want to start praying for the church now. 
See, right now we have, we have some prayer groups. Our men's prayer group meets on Wednesday night at 7. Three people show up. I think we can do better. Maybe we can get six because I'm leaving, so that takes it down to two. So we need some more people to start showing up. We need to have that time because corporate prayer, I think, is where this is going to happen. I think corporate prayer is what our church kind of lacks. There's no time for a group of believers, a church, because you are the church. This is just a building. You, as a people, are the church. I think it's time we need to gather us together as a group of believers. It doesn't even have to be here. It could be anywhere else. And just pray corporately. Talk about, okay, what's going on in your life? You know, what struggles are you having? What are, what are some things that I can pray for directly for you? I and mean, what are your friends going through that we can pray for? What do, you, what do you need encouragement for? I know sometimes people have their health concerns. Sometimes there's, there's job concerns. Other times there's, I mean, we have a good prayer chain that gets the emails out. But I don't think that's quite good enough because on those it's kind of general big things. We need to get together and pray for one another on the little things, the smaller things. Okay, you know, what's going on? Well, you know, I'm struggling with this friend at work. You know, this, this person at work, you know, we're, we're not in a good relationship. You need to be able to pray for one another in that sense. You know, we don't, we don't necessarily share. These are almost like accountability groups. You know, you're getting together and you're starting to talk about what's going on in your lives. And so we need to have that spirit of corporate prayer. Maybe, maybe, during, maybe for Wednesday night we started instead of, you know, making it a big prayer service. You know, everybody comes in, let's all pray together. Because the more you pray as a church, the more you're going to get your visions lined, the more you're going to hear from God, and the the easier it is going to be to complete the 10-4 vision goals. Because all of them really require prayer. And there's no way we're going to be able to go on and continue to grow a church of believers without prayer. If we don't pray, the church will die. That's, That's just how it is. If we don't continue in a spirit of prayer... People are going, we're going to lose people. We're going to never keep visitors because we're not already praying for them. And I have to confess, I am probably not the best person to be talking about this because I haven't always prayed well for the church. But I'm starting to, to see this. I'm starting to understand that there's, there's something more to prayer. Prayer is the most powerful thing we have. So how about we start taking advantage of that? So I want to know, who are those who would like to start gathering together for prayer? Who, who would be willing to do that? You know, and if you would be willing to gather together for corporate prayer on any night, just stand up. Who would be willing to do that? So let's, let's get together. Those who, are, those who are willing to start coming together for corporate prayer, let's get together. Talk about a time. Say, okay, I'm willing to come on Wednesdays. Or I can come on Fridays or maybe Saturday mornings. I know we used to do early mornings before church. That would be a great option. You know, get together before Sunday school. Get together at like 9 on Sundays and pray. So, now look around, see how many of you have. Alright, so now you all know you can be seated. I'm glad, there's a lot of people who are willing to pray for the church. Now, all of you saw who stood up, so guess what? Challenge each other. Don't let, so you saw somebody stand up that you got to tell them, hey, I didn't see you at prayer last week, where are you at? You know, call them out, you know, it's okay. The Bible says that's okay. It does. You read the Gospels, but it tells us that, that if, uh, if a brother has sinned, you know, go to him. And then if he doesn't listen to you, take two or three and then take the whole church. So guess what? You're all stuck now. <laughs> so I would like to, to have you guys talk to one another. Find a time when we can, you can pray. I mean, I won't be able to be here most of the time. But I'm still going to pray for this church because this is my home. Many of you know that. Many of you, even if you didn't, you heard it on some of the video. But this is my home. This is always the place where I come back to when I come home. I mean, this, this is it for me. So I'm always going to be praying for this church, no matter where I am, because this church is, is what influenced me, is what helped me to grow. And so 
I would like to, I better end, and I've got to figure out how to end this good. But I just want you to remember, you guys are what's going to make this church happen. You guys are the ones who need to start praying for your goals in order to complete them. And so now that we've established a giant prayer team, we are good to go. So let me pray to close this out. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for these words that you've given me, Lord. Hopefully I have challenged some people and they, they will start to catch this new vision for prayer, Lord. Help them to, to continue to encourage each other to show up for prayer, to make time for corporate prayer, Lord, and, and help them not to discount the individual time or family time that they, they might develop for prayer, Lord. And I just ask that you would, would you just help, this, help us as a church to continue to, to focus on you through prayer, Lord. And we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thanks so much. Can we say thank you again to Joe? We pray God's blessing upon you as you go out to Mid-America. All